Hello, and welcome to another episode of Streaming Science, a creative student-run podcast series from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We bring the science directly to you. The goal of Streaming Science is to increase science literacy through interactive discussions with scientists about topics that affect your everyday life. I'm your host, Shelby Anderson, a senior agricultural and environmental sciences communication student from Alliance Nebraska. This episode of Streaming Science is focused on agricultural economics. As a UNL student, I am interested in this topic because economics involves money and trade, two things that are important to agricultural operations across the state and world. Joining me today is Dr. Wes Peterson, a professor and researcher in the Department of Agricultural Economics here at UNL. His research involves public policy and international trade, primarily in Africa. I'm very well, thanks. Good. Can you please give me a broad overview of your work um, and research here at the university? Yeah, um, my my general area is uh, international trade, uh, and and of course that focuses then on on agricultural trade, uh, trade which is very important uh, for agriculture in the United States. Uh, I'm also interested in in development in low-income countries. I I was a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa a long time ago, and and I still maintain an interest in in development. I am an agricultural economist because of the Peace Corps. Uh, I was an anthropology major as an undergraduate, but then I got involved in an agricultural program in West Africa, and so here I am today. Um, That's really cool that you're working with Africa and that your interest in economics started in Africa. That's really cool. So how do you see um, the work that you did in Africa? How do you see the university helping out over there. The the uh, uh, the university has done a, a great deal over a long period of time, uh, both with uh, economists working on development issues, but also in the more technical sciences, the agronomists and animal scientists, and so on. Uh, the kinds of, a lot of the research that goes on here uh, actually does have an international dimension and, and involves in developing countries. We had a a large project. I think it's over now, but it was it was called uh, Insor Mill. It was about sorghum and millet, uh, which are major staple uh, crops in the more arid parts of the world, primarily in Africa, south of the Sahara, and and in India, and so on and so forth. And so they were working on better uh, cultivars, better varieties, and better uh, cultivation techniques, and so on and so forth, and then as well as some of the economics of all of that. So, so the, I think the university has played a, a big role, uh, and, and there are, is some uh, government funding for research in those areas, and, and, and we, we also have um, a large number of uh, uh, graduate students from uh, foreign countries, and a lot of them coming, particularly in agriculture. I mean, uh, this uh, we, we don't have as many U.S. students going into graduate school in agriculture uh, as was the case a long time ago, but uh, we do have still an awful lot of folks from, from uh, Africa and China and, and uh, India and so on who are interested in agriculture and come to our graduate programs. We uh, depend on them. They're good students. So. <laughs> so before we get too far, maybe can you give us a definition of economics that middle school age students might understand? It's a behavioral science, so it's a study of way, the ways in which people uh, interact in the economy, how people make decisions, what are the best kinds of decisions for people to make uh, in, in, in terms of managing Africa, their, their economic activities, the economic activities. Uh, well, um, work. 
Uh, the, the, what, what interested me originally in, in, uh, when I was in Africa was, was the fact that uh, the, the main objective was always referred to as economic development. In other words, the development of the economy, which is the, all the productive activities and consumption and so on that goes on in an economy. Uh, and, and so I thought it would be important to understand uh, how, the, how an economy works and how you can make it work better so that we could raise living standards. I mean, that was obviously the goal. Uh, Africa, most of Sub-Saharan Africa is pretty poor. And again, if you just look at the agricultural part of it, we, we get about nine or 10 metric tons of corn to the hectare. And compared to in, in uh, West Africa, uh, they get about uh, one or two tons. So there's, there's a great deal of improvement that could mm -hmm. take place in terms of raising productivity. And that's how you raise uh, incomes. People become richer as they become more productive. Uh, and, and so that, that, because it's a very poor area, uh, it, oh, the, the, the people are great. I mean, it's not like they walk around with their heads hanging down saying, oh, woe is me, I'm so poor. Uh, they're happy, they, they've got tons of kids, there are children everywhere, you know, and, and everybody, they, they love their kids and everybody has a good time and so on and so forth, but they're poor and so mm -hmm. they end up uh, living less. Mm -hmm. they, their life expectancy at birth is lower. Uh, the chances that uh, a young person will have seen several family members die before they reach the age of 25 or 30 is much higher than it would be here in the U.S. and so on. And so, so those, those sorts of hardships are, are things that, that we could do without in the world, mm -hmm. uh, it seems to me. And so yes. that was, and, and it seemed like economics was, was one of the ways to really get at uh, those issues. Because economics, uh, the, the other part of economics is the study of how people behave in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. But why are we interested in that? Well, because we, we would like perhaps to set up policies. So here's an example. We have a problem in the world with climate change. Uh, and what we would like to do is have people consume a little bit less or a lot less of the fossil fuels that are putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and so on. Well, how could we do that? One, one way we could do that is to make fossil fuels more expensive. And, and the presumption is that if you make things more expensive, people will purchase less of it. But how much less of it? Suppose we raise the price of gasoline by, you know, 20 percent. Will that lead to a reduction in gasoline usage of 1 percent or 50 percent? You mm -hmm. know, it might make a big difference on whether or not you would think that would be a good kind of a, a policy approach. So the ultimate goal a lot of times of, of economics is to inform public policy and public uh, decision-making. And that, of course, the, the better the policy decisions are in developing countries, the more their economies will grow and develop. So yes. that's, that's the link. <laughs> What advice would you have for students who might be interested in careers involving math and science but might think that it seems like a large undertaking? I actually have some, some thoughts on this. There's a couple of parts to that. I mean, uh, it turns out that the kind of uh, skills and abilities that, you, that, that people develop uh, in studying uh, math, math particularly and in, in science as well, translate into other areas. Uh, people who are good in math uh, tend to be just fine as lawyers as well. They'll do well in law school, for example. It, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to end up being a mathematician mm -hmm. or a, a theoretical physicist like Sheldon Cooper or somebody <laughs> like that, right? You, know, you could end up doing uh, English literature, uh, but the math, the way of thinking that is, is created by mathematics and so on can be helpful. I think that's great advice because you never know when you're going to need math. So how does your work relate to the food that people eat? 
There's a couple of ways. First of all, the economics of agricultural production and processing and so on and how markets work, all of that is going to generate particular kinds of products at particular kinds of prices uh, mm -hmm. that people will face. And so the kinds of work that the agricultural economists do that would work on that would uh, have an influence on how firms and, and, and uh, organizations market their stuff, how farmers market their stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's one element of, of contributing just through the actual processes of producing food. We don't do like the food scientists do. We don't develop new kinds of food products and test them out. All of that, I think, kind of has to do with the processes, mm -hmm. uh, how things are produced, how they're marketed, how people buy them, what, what, uh, what influences consumer choice and so on. And then the other part where you get an influence on, on, on people's uh, food uh, is through public policy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, economists will be could, if we wanted to or if we were interested in doing this, we could uh, figure out what, what the uh, economic value is, uh, what the costs and benefits are of, say, regulations. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so, for example, say, uh, at the moment there are all these food supplements that you can mm -hmm. get at these nutrition stores. Those are completely unregulated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the New York Times had a thing where they went out and they bought a bunch of these things and it says it's got ginkgo bibao, whatever that stuff is, some, some strange thing that's supposed to be good for whatever, you know. And they tested it and it was all sawdust. There was nothing, none of the real product in there. There is no regulation of that. So one could take that as a project and say, well, let's look at the benefits and costs of, of putting on some set of regulations mm -hmm. with respect to these kinds of food products. And, and then that would inform policymakers. I think food safety is, is an important issue, right? So, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that has, that has technical dimensions to it. It has technical dimensions related to how do you control salmonella and bacteria and other sorts of stuff. You're an animal science person, yes. so you know about that. Uh, but, but there are economic uh, issues as well. Uh, food labeling. Uh, how mm -hmm. should we label foods? Should we label foods as uh, genetically modified? So, uh, you know, what are the economic costs and benefits of, of, of something like uh, various food labeling regimes? And so and those sorts of things would then, you know, to the extent they inform policymakers, could lead to what one sees in the supermarket. It's very interesting to understand how people make their choices. And what is the most exciting part about your job? I, I, I think probably the, the, the most exciting part is I like doing, uh, finding out about things. I like mm -hmm. discovering stuff. Uh, and I worked with some other people to put together a, a series of lectures for this, this winter. And I gave the first one. Uh, and the whole series is on inequality. Well, that's exciting. That's fun. It's mm -hmm. fun to stand up. There were 200 people at this thing, stand wow. up there and talk about uh, all, all of these difficult and complex things and then get questions and, and interact. I, that's 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 fun. That's also part of teaching, uh, mm -hmm. which is which is enjoyable. You know, one of the interesting things about being a, on a university faculty uh, is that almost every day is different. Here I'm chatting with you, mm -hmm. uh, which is fun, uh, and I'm on the faculty senate. We had a big faculty senate meeting yesterday, and I'm on various other committees where I do things, and I do, do some of my own writing and reading and stuff, and then I prepare my classes. So every day is kind of different and varied, and that, mm -hmm. that I think, is, is kind of fun. It's kind yeah. of interesting. It's essential. It makes your job a little more interesting, yeah. a little easier yeah. to handle. <laughs> um, did you see yourself being a university faculty or a 
a scientist or an economist when you were a kid? What were you like as a kid? Well, uh, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I was pretty typical. Uh, mm -hmm. I was really um, uh, excited and interested in dinosaurs. Mm. Uh, and so I decided at a young age that I wanted to be a paleontologist uh, and study dinosaurs mm -hmm. and stuff, which <laughs> sounded really cool. But it turns out that paleontology is mostly a subfield of geology. And I liked geology, but not that much, <laughs> you know. Plus, geology, I didn't think I was very good at math, so mm -hmm. I thought perhaps some of the harder sciences would be things to, to avoid. Uh, and so I, I settled on uh, anthropology. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if you think about all of these things, paleontology, geology, anthropology, if you have those degrees as an undergraduate, uh, you're not going out into the world as a paleontologist, a geologist, or an anthropologist. In order to be those things, you would have to get a PhD, yes. and you would probably have to end up at a university. So that was always something that seemed like a prospect to work at a university to become a professor and so on, just because the fields I was interested in. The vast majority of, of folks who get undergraduate degrees in paleontology, geology, or anthropology probably don't go on to graduate school. They may go out and get jobs. Mm -hmm. They may go to work for a petroleum company or something like that, uh, where they don't necessarily use a lot of what they learned, but, but their scientific background helps them to work mm -hmm. for, for this company. You, you don't absolutely have to end up on the faculty if you do a STEM field, but it's, it's a nice life. Now, there was a little interruption because mm -hmm. after I did the Peace Corps, I thought maybe I'm going to devote my life to development uh, mm -hmm. in, in Africa and, and just work on that. Uh, but uh, that didn't seem to work out very well at one point, and so I ended up being at the university, and I think that's a, a nice place to be. That's good. So what are your goals beyond this point? Well, um, I am toward the end of my career because I'm, I'm getting older and, and <laughs> a lot of people my age have already retired, but um, uh, I, I have not yet figured out what I want to do if I retire. Mm -hmm. So uh, I figure if I ever figure that out, then I can go ahead and retire. <laughs> but, but until then, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea because then I just end up saying, geez, what am I supposed to be doing with myself <laughs> now? So, so I think my, my goals are basically just to keep on sort of doing what I'm doing and to, to see if I can get a little bit better at it and so on. Um, but you know, long term, uh, you know, I would hope that I could be able to make some kinds of contributions. The sorts of contributions, I, I, I've had occasion when, when I've gotten feedback from a student who said, you know, what you did with me to help me on this thing changed my life and so on. Mm -hmm. That happens very rarely. Um, that you get the feedback. You'd like to think maybe it happens a little yes. bit more, but nobody bothers to tell you about <laughs> it and so on. But, but uh, I, I do think that, you know, what, what sort of sometimes gives meaning to people's lives is if you're contributing to something bigger than mm -hmm. you. And, and, and I, I would like to hope that I have been doing that and will be able to continue uh, to, 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 to do that, to expand the understanding and knowledge about important uh, issues. Mm -hmm. I, I am disturbed by the way we are uh, living these days uh, that, uh, you know, truth doesn't seem to matter and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of nonsense that goes on out there and, and, and I don't, I, I would like to see, a, you know, for a good functioning democracy, you've got to have an informed citizenry mm -hmm. and, and so I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, 
we at the university, you know, I'm not doing any of this stuff by myself, but yeah. collectively I think we, we maybe we're contributing to that. Uh, and, you know, we see you young folks going <laughs> forth. You are our uh, emissaries to the future, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we hope that you will go out and, and do good good work, as Garrison Keillor would say. And, we hope so, too. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, and, 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 and make it. And I always have, I have great... Uh, faith and confidence in the, in the future. I'm a short-term pessimist, but a long-term optimist. So. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to be. Yeah, yeah. So I am pretty inspired by the fact that you went to Africa and you saw a need for something that needed to be done there, and you went ahead and you went forth and you found a way to get that done. So what advice do you have for people that have lofty goals? This, this is going to sound like a lot of cliché. I, I think people should always, you know, set good goals and, and go for it and, and, and stay with it. Don't ever get hung up in the situation where you're having a terrible time, such a terrible time. It's, it's like the, uh, I can't remember the name of the, there's the donkey between two piles of hay who couldn't decide which one <laughs> to do and so he starved to death, you know. Uh -huh. I've, I've seen some people become very stuck on, oh my gosh, should I go to graduate school or should I do this or should I go there mm -hmm. and do that and so on. I, I think what you have to do frequently in life is, is uh, keeping a clear objective in mind, uh, and then make a leap of faith. Just go for it. And, and, you know, we have a very forgiving system, by and large. If it's not working out, you punt mm -hmm. and, and go on and do something else. But, but once, you know, you commit to doing something, go for it full-fledged, you know, uh, with full force, and then do the best you can. Uh, if it doesn't happen to work out, well, that's not the end of the world because there's always ways to, to, to get back uh, into something else. So I, I, I would say be courageous and stick to it and persevere and always keep up as much of your interests as possible for as long as you can. If you're doing music, keep playing music. At the same time, maybe you're going off to be a journalist because you never know. All these options that, that might come up at some point, uh, it, it's, it's always good to, to keep your options open open as best you can. And one way that I, th I always tell students to do that is get good grades. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't matter that you may not be going to graduate school or whatever. The better your grades are, the more options you'll have mm -hmm. when you graduate from, from school. I think those are mostly cliches, but I mean, <laughs> set your, you know, go for it and, and stick to it. But don't worry if it doesn't work out because there's, there's always going to be alternative options that you can follow. So. I think that's great advice. <laughs>